Hey guys, my name is Michelle. I'm Doreen. And I'm Kelly. And we're the team behind The Weekly Dosage. Hey guys, welcome to our third episode of The Weekly Dosage. I'm going to be handing it to Kelly for the weekly news. So after last week's recording session, Doreen came up to me and she goes, Man, I really just want to do the main part of the podcast now. Sorry. <laughs> so, today, a very special treat for everyone, I'm going to be doing the weekly news. So, now you finally get some actual news from Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> All right, whatever. All right, so Take today's away, topic is going to be about peanut allergies. So, do you guys have any food allergies or anything like that? No, I'm not that weak. Okay. <laughs> Okay, anyways, um, peanuts is one of the most common allergies in kids. Do you guys know anybody with a peanut allergy? I did. I know a few like students. Right. Yeah. yeah. And remember the peanut table at um, elementary school? Oh my gosh, not the peanut table. <laughs> it's the... <laughs> well, believe it or not, 2% of kids in the Western world are allergic to peanuts. Only two? Yeah. That's, that's really small, that actually. Honestly, I thought it'd be smaller. But there is hope for this 2% of kids because there's recently been a study performed of a new like skin patch oh. that kids can wear when they're really young. Oh, like I think I've heard of this one actually. Yeah, it's like sort of like the vaccine patches, but for peanut yeah. allergies, I suppose. Mm-hmm. It kind of like gets their um, immune system like used to peanuts oh, or, like, over good. time, like in really, really, really small dosage. Okay. So during the trial studies, before kids tested this patch, they could only have a small amount of peanuts in their system before they reacted. Mm-hmm. But after they used the patch for some time, they could have three to four peanuts before a reaction occurred. Oh, okay. And this is actually good because this patch doesn't like get rid of the allergy necessarily. It just destroys the possibility that someone could accidentally ingest a peanut. Like, you know those like food products where it's like, uh, may contain peanuts or mm-hmm. was produced M&Ms. in a factory, yep. like right. other peanut products. This patch, if you take it, it prevents that risk. Oh. So kids don't really have to like look at these warnings anymore because that small amount of peanut that m- is possibly in mm-hmm. that product mm-hmm. won't affect them anymore. Okay. Right. So it's just kind of accust- uh, accustoming them to small amounts of peanuts. Yeah. Until- oh, so if they have like a, a huge ton of peanuts, then I'm yeah. Guessing. Right. So they like, could. They can't just like scoop up a big chunk of peanut oh, butter okay. and eat it. Like, the, will like will those increase as time goes, or is it just a small? Dosage no, it's just food? a small amount. Cause okay. I mean that's still a long way a, though. There are right. other. Um, things that have been tested for like higher dosage, but they're not like on the market, like widely known yet. And they haven't been like widely tested. And this patch is also very interesting because before this study was done, there wasn't really anything for kids zero to four years old. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the treatments for peanut allergies started at ages five and above, usually in adult, ages as well right but having this allows kids especially when they're young and they're eating a bunch of things at like friends house and whatever and they're not checking they can't read yet this patch is actually very beneficial and so they don't have an accidental reaction when they're so young that's good yeah Yeah. that's especially because like i know those young kids they they don't know about their allergy all so much yet it's important for them to really you know 
have as much safety as possible when going to unknown places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not just uh, food as well. It can be like um, like some oils have peanuts right. in them. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to know. Like maybe you just go out to like get a burger or something, right. and then yeah. maybe they use. They don't tell you exactly. Right, so that patch can actually right. save like a yeah. huge yeah. Also, like going to like different countries and stuff. This is beneficial as well. Mm-hmm. You don't have to look up every, every single thing. Because I remember when I went to when we went to Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend who has a peanut allergy had to like look up right. the names of peanuts oh, in the different like sad. languages and like right. s- like ask everybody because it was just she couldn't have it at all. I have a question. Yeah. How much are these batches, or are they free? I think they're free. Oh, okay. They're just under testing right now, oh. so they're not on the market yet. Okay. But they're free for kids if they want to. That's good. And I per- I know you guys probably have heard of like oral therapy for. Um, like allergies, like ingesting right. small amounts. Yeah. This um, patch actually has less side effects and less chance of being like of causing a reaction than oral therapy, which is also very good for kids. But what are the side effects? Um, just regular allergies, like okay. just, the regular. Just smaller. So you could just yeah. right, you could um have a reaction with oral yeah. therapy, whereas There's less um, the patch is having a reaction. Right. Good That's good. That's good. Yeah, and this is a big uh, like progression in the medical community because people have been trying for decades to stop peanut allergies mm-hmm. because it's one of the most common allergies yeah. and it's it's so wide around the world and again this is a huge step in the medical community and for kids all around the world yeah and peanuts are delicious so you know i mean yeah <laughs> all right i hope you guys enjoyed some quality weekly news for once dayreen now i'm gonna pass it on to dayreen for the main portion of our podcast Okay, thanks Kelly. Today's main portion of the story is uh, the incredible story of Shreya Sidenagauda. In 2016, 18-year-old Shreya was traveling to Manipal for vacation in a Volvo coach bus. Things took a dark turn when her negligent driver caused the bus to um, swerve, uh, like an overturn, and mm. leading to an unfortunate accident where the bus was dragged for about 100 meters. Oh so gosh. she sustained like so much uh, major injuries, uh, so much so like various cuts and bruises around her face and abdomen, a bad injury to the knee, and her head as well. However, her right forearm was completely crushed, oh. and her left one was left dangling <gasps> through some skin and muscle. Oh, oh my god! So gosh. just imagining that sight, it gives me like really bad goosebumps. Obviously, she was rushed to the hospital as soon as uh, authorities saw her. And um, at the hospital, luckily, her injuries to the face, abdomen, head, and knee were sustained and treated. Right. Um, and then two days later, when she finally woke up, she woke up to the faint painful realization that she had lost both of her forearms <gasps> right below the elbow. Oh, so, so she got cut right. So she yes. still has the joint. Mm, what do you mean the joint? So she still has the her elbow. elbow. Yeah, she still has the elbow. Right. Oh, that, okay. that's, that's, that's good, at least. Yeah. The doctors explained that due to the magnitude of the crushed injuries, they weren't able to um, save her forearms. So that was the reason why they had to be amputated. Um, the shock, you know, obviously completely overflowed her, as it would anyone. I mean, it, how would you guys react if your forearms were amputated? I, I would be completely in dismay and mm-hmm. shock because yeah. there's so much like we do as people that has to do with our hands, with our arms. Mm-hmm. Eating, for example. Right, like, eating. Eat. Yeah, that was Almost. actually something she struggled with as well. 
so she couldn't do a lot of things with her without her four uh, four arms, you know, and um, she felt like a complete burden because her mother was uh, with her throughout all of this, as she should, you know, really good mother, and mm-hmm. she was lucky that her mom was by her side. Right. But you know, the complete shock of it was just it sent her into a unbearable and devastating mental yeah. health. She felt like she like the world was against her. You know, right. she, she asked questions like, "Why me? You know, why has the world cursed me like this? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, why couldn't I have been?" You know, like why, why me? Um, but this was all before um, she saw her stumps for the first time. Oh and for my. those that aren't exactly familiar, stumps are basically um, so after amputation, the boots that are left beyond a healthy joint is called a stump. So when she saw uh, her stumps for the first time, um, and they were finally revealed to her, um, her st- her stumps were all black with like. With her skin peeling in some places, <gasps> with like blood oozing out, so, it, so yeah, for her to, you know, not only lose her forearms but to see them as well, it's just right. really unbearable. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, she lost a pers- a part of herself, like mm-hmm. her own dignity, her own self respect. Yeah. You know? And as I said before, you know, the pain was the loss of it was very painful right. and devastating. She blamed herself. Right. Sure. Like sometimes she would like forget, like that they were gone. The, yeah. So, like, the ghost. Just like maybe like limbs. waking up one day, she was like. Oh, I don't have my forearms anymore. Yeah, like the, uh, I know there's a condition of um, ghost pain and ghost limbs when mm-hmm. after an amputation, someone s- still can feel said pain in yeah. their lost limbs. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's not only the physical trauma that comes with such a dis- like awful um, accident, but there's the mental trauma too, exactly. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, within a few days, she trained her, uh, luckily though, unfortunately, within a few days, she trained her toes to actually use her phone oh, and her yeah. MacBook, Kindle, right, right. and even used the remote to watch the TV. Um, then after a few months, she uh, transitioned into using prosthetic hands, mm-hmm. okay. and, um, which were sometimes mechanical or were battery operated. Um, as useful as they were, she actually hated them because they were really heavy mm-hmm. uh, also very like manly and big on her they had like weird um, loops and belts and hooks mm-hmm. so it was just all kind of very complicated and um she didn't have to live another 40 to 50 years of her life just because of a negligent driver and she felt like every time she wore those prosthetic hands it just kind of reminded her of what she lost mm-hmm. and which um later swayed her to consider bilateral hand transplants which oh. are um hands that um people donate like uh, organ donors right like okay. actual real live hands for you and i don't know you could donate like right no, like limbs external. This, this would be from a obviously deceased donor right? yes it would be right. yes <clears throat> many people even doctors discourage her from uh going through with the surgery mm-hmm. because bilateral hand transplant it's actually really very uncommon um only 200 uh of the surgery has been performed in the whole world really <clears throat> and only three at that time were performed in india so oh not gosh. only was it really uncommon, it was also really hard to do. Right. And it was hard to find a um, organ donor who was going to donate uh, external organs. Right. Especially with the culture, because <clears throat> uh, Indian culture or just Asian culture in general, in general, external organs are kind of frowned upon in Indian and Asian culture because um, a lot of them believe in reincarnation. Right. So, and... Yeah. Um, 
uh, when you bury a loved one, it, it, you kind of need to have all their organs um, organs there just to make it like respectful and mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah. And when they reincarnate, it, they're not exactly, well, that's just like what I think the most. I couldn't really find the main reason as to why there were just so many. Mm -hmm. And so with reincarnation, they need to like be reincarnated as like their full person. Right. And with those external yeah. organs, it's kind of hard to. Sure. Mm. So the um, some more information about bilateral transplant surgery is um, that it, it's really expensive, as Whoa. you know, most yeah, yeah. especially this kind. Um, a single one is around thirteen thousand dollars, <gasps> but in oh Shreya's case, it was fourteen thousand dollars because sure. she needed to have a double transplant. Right. And I don't know exactly how much it will be in um, in India because of the currency is different, mm -hmm. but it would probably be more expensive. Mm -hmm. um, so that was the main reason why a lot of people also didn't want her to go through with the surgery. Wait, so your um, $13,000 would be in American USD, right? Yes. But in, we don't know how many rupees. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, as for the therapy, which she would have to go through for the rest of her life, because mm -hmm. as soon as she got the transplant, she needs to start therapy like as soon as possible. Right. Um, that one would, um, again, be for the rest of her life for around $360,000 to oh 500k. My. Oh so my. Half so half a million. Half a million. That's like a house. Nah. No, that's, that's, that's a lot. That's a house. Yeah. That's a house. Yep. Yeah. That's wow. a lot of money. Oh so um, with all the risks and expenses, it was... Um, that the transplant has to cover. Uh, it made sense as to why doctors and many people opposed her after this, sure. but mm -hmm. it made her actually just want to do it even more, mm -hmm. just because she couldn't really live with herself having mm -hmm. such, yeah. you know. So, on August 5th, 2017, she visited Dr. Lear, who was, um, him and his team were the pioneers of um, hand transplants in India. So there was a really high chance that this surgery would go well. So now Shrey had the doctor and her mother's support. All she needed was the right donor. And again, it was really hard to find a donor for um, external organs, especially arms. So um, it was really hard for her to find one. Luckily for her, she actually managed to get a donor on the day of registration. So she didn't have to wait or anything like wow. that. She met um, with a suitable donor by the name of Sashin. And the only catch was that they were male hands. Oh dear. Okay. Yeah. You know, she was very uh, fortunate for this, so she gladly accepted. Yeah. Of course. She didn't care how manly and masculine they were, um, so she gladly accepted. And, you know, um, either August 9th or of 2017 or March 7th, different websites were saying different things. Mm -hmm. But around that time period uh, marked a very influential and memorable day in Asia and for Shreya. Because after the surgery, Shreya became the first one person to undergo a bilateral above-the-elbow hand transplant mm -hmm. and the first woman to receive male forearms. So she marked, um, you know, uh, a very important day in history. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Just in medical history in general as well, and yeah. in Asia, and in India, and to herself as well, you know. Mm -hmm. um, the surgery took 13 to 14 hours oh, with wow. 30 sur 20 surgeons and 16 anesthesiologists. Um, the day after, Shreya says she felt complete again, which, yeah. you know, was very beautiful. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was really happy for her when I uh, was reading this website. I was like, yay, a good happy ending. Yeah. But this is where it actually gets more interesting. Oh. 
<laughs> so as you know, after the surgery, she has to start going to therapy and everything, right? Yeah. So um, I don't know when this time jump kind of came, but her doctor, one therapy session, said that she noticed um, that her forearms were changing. You know, the collar was changing, mm-hmm. the arm hair was changing, yeah. the muscles and tensions were decreasing, they were becoming more feminine, actually even mm-hmm. matching her skin tone. Really? Oh, mm-hmm. That's really weird. interesting, I know. Um, um, many reasons were thrown out as to why this was happening to her, and um, I have a few reasons uh, from doctors, you know. <clears throat> okay. Many reasons were speculating as to why this was happening to her because it hasn't happened in like ever, you know, because she was like the first person to get yeah, this type of it's surgery. never really been studied before. Exactly. So um, a few doctors kind of gave their own um, reason explanation as to why this was happening. Mm-hmm. One in particular said that the MSH, which is a brain control hormone, um, which stimulates melanin production, was um, was the reason why her skin color changed mm-hmm. because the such the donor that had donated his hands that the organ the organs his arms were you know very big and hairy sure. and also like much darker than hers so it could be very apparent as to that she got a, a, an organ donor mm-hmm. yeah. however because of the MSH she was able um, the arms were able to match her skin tone and wow. it was it was really it's really fascinating and then another doctor by the name of Sheila Agaral um, who was a dermatologist said that the absence of testosterone and Shreya's um, body explained why her arms became less hairy. Mm-hmm. As we know, um, testosterone is like a male hormone, and estrogen is the female. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so testosterone it gives off a lot of hairy arms. Um, however, when she got the surgery, the arms um, kind of. They, the muscles and the nerves intertwine with Shreya's body, and um, you know the nerves and the muscles were sending these messages that um, she needed more estrogen, kind of things like that, mm-hmm. and that was the reason why her arm size decreased and why the arm hair also started going mm-hmm. away as well. That's so really interesting. It seemed like the body was all just like working together, right? This is, and it's like yeah. so cool. Like it kind of like morphed to her body. Exactly. Like, right. Mm-hmm. That's so. It's so beautiful to think that our human body is capable exactly. of such a beautiful like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when Shreya first got her new arms, um, they were very hairy, as I was saying, masculine, and marched up her skin tone and hers. But now they've adapted to her muscles, her nerves, her hormones, to an extent that they're basically the hands she used to have. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at her now, you wouldn't even think that she got a uh, hand transplant mm-hmm. right. because they're that yeah. similar. There's still some research as being conducted as to why the arms adapted so quickly to her body, but I think the main reason is because, like, the human body has um, developed and evolu, it has evolved and helped many people. Um, in this case, Shreya, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and again, this shows the power of evolution, development of the human body, and how the body is always learning. You know, it's mm-hmm. growing every single day, and uh, Shreya's in Shreya's case. Shreya, sorry, she showed how much development the body has. That's just incredible to see how much our body's capable of really taking care of itself Mm -hmm. and how much it is available to not only take care of our internal appearance, but our external one as well. Exactly, and Mm -hmm. this was all uh, thanks to the bilateral hand transplants that, um, you know, us as humans actually design as well, which I think is really cool. Right. And kind of ties with Kelly's kind of side of the story because she was talking about how medicine has evolved to such an extent that now we have a patch and basically 
basically uh, a vaccine against peanut allergies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in a way, kind of you know, balances each other out. Yeah, so, and yeah. it's just it's humans helping humans, which exactly. is just really it's a nice story to hear. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Darian, for yeah, all so this. Yeah, so that is the story of Shreda Sudagada. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I will now transition it to Michelle with tips and tricks for the summer. All right, so for this segment's tips and tricks, I have some couple tips on how to stay safe out in the sun and the heat. All right, so for our first tip and trick we have is to wear some sunscreen. Yes. So a lot of people, right, a lot of people do think that their sunscreen isn't needed since their skin tone or mm-hmm. sun tolerance, but that just isn't true. Nope. <laughs> Alright, although some people may not burn as easily as somebody else, the sun's harmful UV rays still affect everyone just the same, and it's still vitally important to protect your skin. Mm-hmm. It's the largest organ on your body, and it's it's not something that is going to heal that quickly exactly. from yeah. the sun's rays. Yeah, and uh, sunscreen um, also helps with acne as well, mm-hmm. and, you know, skin cancer. It, it, right. Yeah, but yeah. it stops that from happening. Avoid the melanoma. Exactly, mm-hmm. but... You need to get good sunscreen. Right, and that's why you really want to have um, a sunscreen that has an SPF of 30 or higher. And it's really important to just prefer a cream over a spray since the cream provides a better protective layer on your skin rather than the spray. Mm -hmm. And you want to make sure to rub it in really well since it's the friction that often gets into your pores and um, activates the cream. Mm -hmm. And a spray as well, if you are also using a spray, make sure to also rub it in and don't just apply it it topically. Mm -hmm. And with the creams as well, um, don't just think that when sometimes people think that buying lotion with sunscreen added into it is already sunscreen enough. Mm -hmm. It's not. You need to actually buy a separate sunscreen screen in yeah. order to get like the actual right. you know, protection that your body needs. And reapply sunscreen exactly. when you're out And the wash your face as well every yeah. two hours. Because like uh, personally reapplying for me doesn't work because I burn wherever I go mm-hmm. even if I have sunscreen on. But for everybody else out there that isn't a ginger <laughs> and doesn't have white skin like a ghost. Anyways. <laughs> It's just important to really it's reapply. Important to reapply. Exactly. Reapply at least every two hours, yeah. as the FDA and mm-hmm. the um, CDA say. CDC, sorry, my bad. And it's also important to reapply it right after swimming or sweating. Yes. Yeah. All right. A second tip is to drink water. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very important to drink water since our I body hate water. is stay hydrated. <laughs> hydrated, hydrate. I'm sorry. That was <laughs> that was okay. Moving on. Anywho, it's just really important to drink water since our body is getting rid of so much water in the heat, through sweating, and other bodily functions. And drinking water also just helps regulate body temperature, supports brain function and mood, and also helps keep our joints lubricated and our digestion smooth. Mm -hmm. And it gives you that um, good face yes it mm-hmm. helps with like, having a healthy and that good gym body right yeah, that we were talking help. about last episode exactly mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. water is just really overall important and it tastes good as- it does no it I like, doesn't i like right. it's disgusting. But I hate water. another little bit of uh, advice is if you're going to drink water don't think that flavored water i mean yes flavored water is good but the best thing you can do for your body is to just get the pure straight h2o because the flavored water is just has these extra chemicals and extra flavorings that doesn't really I suppose help. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily harm, but it doesn't even really help. And it's just However, 
however sorry with kelly saying that she doesn't really like water yeah. it actually tastes a little bit better if you add things with your water as well like honey right uh, lemon strawberries cucumber yeah. and zucchini mm -hmm. i actually do this as well and not only am i drinking water but i'm also getting all the nutrients that all those vegetables of course and the honey yeah. gives to me right of course the natural add-ins to the water is mm -hmm. of course 100 healthy and good for you however i mean i was just sort of talking about like oh the, yeah like the chemical like powder. oh yeah those, like, those, right, those, those aren't i like, would stay away from that for all the people out there that say water doesn't have a taste it does have a taste because I hate the taste. And okay. adding things in there like that, mm -hmm. it really helps. Exactly. All right, so and it's just important to have about 3.7 liters of water per day for men and then 2.7 liters per day for women. So a third important good tip for the summer is to stay active, but also monitor your own body and its health. Mm -hmm. So getting outside in the uh, in the summer is really important, and it's a lot of fun, like we mentioned in our first episode. Yep. And it's really fun to get on outside in the sun in the summer, but it's really important to monitor your body when it's really hot outside to make sure you don't suffer a kind of heat stroke or experience dehydration. Mm -hmm. It's important to look outside and monitor yourself. Am I feeling experience? Am I experiencing symptoms like dizziness, lightheadedness, mm -hmm. excessive sweating, or um, in some cases vomiting right and if you are make sure to get someplace indoors or under some shade drink some water and yep. just you know calm down for a bit and don't mm -hmm. continue the rigorous activity for another couple of hours yeah okay all right and then the last good tip and trick for um, having fun outside and in the heat is to use weather tracking apps to see when the ideal day for certain activities is um, some days it's just not really a good idea to head out and play volleyball, so it's important to check the weather to see when it's going to be really hot or really cold or muggy or rainy to find that ideal day for playing volleyball. And that's just one example, right? If you're going to be going out to the beach, going out to a amusement park, just finding that ideal day for a certain activity is really important so that way you can prevent some bad things from happening such as heat stroke or dehydration before it actually happens. Mm -hmm. And this way you can be proactive about your situation and plan for what the weather has to offer that day. And don't just look out for heat changes because right now where we are, the air quality is yep. actually really bad right now. Mm -hmm. And so also look out for that because sometimes it's not safe to go outside. Yeah, right um, the air quality is actually going to be bad for quite some time now, especially mm -hmm. I don't know geography, but like around where we live, it's going to yeah. be bad for like about 10 more days now. So Right, we live in sort of the Midwest area, so it's been pretty bad around here. Yeah, we're exactly. by Canada, so. Overall, just make sure you stay safe this summer, drink water like we always say, and make sure you just monitor your own self and outside to make sure you really are staying healthy out in the sun and heat. That's all for now. Stay tuned and remember... Take those vitamins, drink that water, touch that grass, and most importantly, don't forget your, your weekly, weekly dosage. dosage.